Stuttering is Cool, episode 117. I am your, 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 your host, Danny, coming from Toronto, Canada. And you can hear <laughs> the traffic as per usual, which means I'm in my backyard. So I'm going to keep the theme song playing in the background, okay? <laughs> Today, Today's episode will continue on the theme as my last two episodes. And I say uh, more about that right after some feedback I received from my good friend Glenn uh, from Ottawa in Canada. Danny, Glenn Schmelsley from Ottawa, Ontario. Just listen to another Stuttering is Cool podcast. Thanks again for doing that. Thanks again for helping non-stutterers like me really get a view into what life is like for people with a stutter. And there was something that was mentioned in episode 113 that really helped me to feel like I can somehow relate to how people who have a stutter have a hard time functioning. And it was a comment by someone who was saying that she as a default, would always train herself to say as little as possible. And although I can't fully appreciate it, it made me think of Twitter. And I know that you and I and a bunch of listeners are probably on Twitter. And the situation I put myself in to really see the world through that person's eyes was to imagine that I were on Twitter and it's got a 140 character limit, but I tried to imagine what it would be like if I only ever used Twitter and I had to stay within that clip limit like someone who decides to edit what they're about to say because they only want to say what is necessary. And then I really appreciate this guests that you have on the show who say that they've actually broken out of that mold and they've come out and decided to put themselves in situations where they can say more than they just have to and where they'll have extra conversations and indeed where they will actually speak in public. I just think that's amazing and it's really uh, to be praised. And so I want to continue encouraging you on the show. Keep it going. Love it. And I hope that uh, all of the good work that you're doing comes back and somehow helps you out too. Talk to you later. Bye. Thank you, Glenn. I'm always happy to receive feedback from you as I'm happy uh, with receiving feedback from everyone. <laughs> Glenn always uh, seems to have these unique perspectives, these, these, these unique metaphors <laughs> for stuttering um, in, tr- in, in, tr- in trying to understand, um, you know, being someone who doesn't stutter, he always comes up with these um, interesting metaphors of um, of what it must be like to stutter, or you know, um, you know, so he can he, so he can understand. There was one keynote, sorry, sorry, not keynote. There was one workshop. I don't know why I keep saying keynote. There was one workshop. You know, oh, what? There's too much noise here. Let me go in the front.
looks like there's a lot of wind here. Hmm. Oh, well, I'll be fast. Uh, <laughs> what was I saying now? Oh, geez. Ah, uh, yes, the session I was in talked about... Actually, not, not really talked about, but there was one part where he uh, demonstrated this is how, this is a good way to demonstrate what if to people who don't stutter what it feels like to stutter. And if I remember correctly, he told us to open our mouths, I think hold our breath, and then try to talk. I think that's what he said. And, um, and I thought it was such a neat way to explain blocking. And then he kept saying, okay, so now try to talk. Let's go. Come on, try talking. <laughs> so I uh, just wanted to share that. So speaking of some more NSA recordings that I have, um, this one comes from Saturday night, late Saturday night. This is after the banquet. We have a banquet on the Saturday. Everybody gets nice and dressed up um, and you know, party, whatever. And well, we eat, of course, we party. Now, near the hotel this year, there was this very, very cool jazz bar where me and Pam Mertz of the Women Who Stutter Our Stories podcast, you know, I'm she's on the show and I mentioned her so many times, she's practically a co host now. So I should probably start considering putting her on the pay roll <laughs> if there was one. So, anywho, um. So, uh, let's see, technical uh, co-host uh, Pam Ertz and I uh, checked it out when I had a very cool place, 1940s style speakeasy. It's underground, there's this alleyway. It's in the middle of an alleyway. Um, nice big huge neon sign and an, and an elevator. And it kind of looks a bit creepy and scary. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I have a feeling I already mentioned this in a previous episode. Um, quite possibly my NSA one. Uh, so in any case, I just said, you know, I mean, what's the worst that could happen to, to us? So I so we just went in. There's only one button, you know, you well, there's more than one button, but there's a button specifically to go downstairs to, uh, what, what, what was it called? Scat Jazz Lounge. I mean, even the name I really like. Um... And it's beautiful. It's beautiful, very, very classy place. Very, very nice people. Me and Pam were very were struck by how nice uh, the servers were and ev- just everybody. And uh, we were told, you know, there's a cover charge, but the band tonight is awesome. And they were awesome. And, and I'll have the name of the band in the show notes. because I don't remember the name offhand. I should probably check now. Hold on. Brannon Temple Temple Industries. I don't know why he called it that, but pretty, pretty cool band. It's not my usual um, style of jazz that I enjoy listening to, but I don't know. They made it sound awesome. Very, very awesome. Um, there was one guy in the band who um, was wearing sunglasses. I thought, oh, that's strange. He's wearing it indoors. I wonder if he's blind or... If he's just going for the cool look and then later on I saw him walking with a cane so yeah very cool he was even playing his guitar above his head at one point um, so yeah so if, so I'm gonna have a link in the show notes to I guess their website uh, or their YouTube so uh, back to the Saturday night banquet 
after party, <laughs> I guess you can call it an after party now. It was what uh, pushing midnight. It was probably midnight at this. So I'm gonna I'm gonna set the scene. I did some recording. We went to her hotel room. It was me, a friend of mine, uh, David um, David Friedman, um, and we were um, we were gathering up our friends because uh, a bunch of us were in in interested in going to check out the jazz bar lounge that me and Pam were raving about. So we went to pick up Pam and her friend in her hotel room and well two things happened David asked a question and I was sleeping <laughs> I brought I practically fell asleep see one thing that you have to understand is there is no sleep at a stu at an NSA stuttering conference it's four or five days depending when you arrive for me it was five days of going to bed at 2 30 3 o'clock in the morning waking up at seven <laughs> in the morning and it's just a party it's so much fun you don't like it's very like there were so many times i try to go for a nap in the middle of the day or you know after you know the conference stuff is over before dinner but you just can't because you want to hang out with everybody so at that point my body just couldn't take it anymore <laughs> And I still feel bad to this day. Uh, we never did manage to make it to the jazz bar. Thank so, you. Pam, I'm very interested. Last year in Cleveland, I remember having a conversation with you. We talked about the fact that you're in education. You do a lot of public speaking. And that you stutter very openly. What has been your experience about the way in which people perceive you as as a public speaker, as someone who stutters, how do you feel about public speaking, knowing that you stutter? And so, like, just kind of take me through how you mentally deal with public speaking and the whole stuttering with acceptance of yourself as a stutter, as well as managing the perceptions of others. And it's like something that I strive for. <laughs> is that comfort? I mean, how, how do you do that? Well, first of all, it's not easy. So, um, and remember that I'm talk, 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 talking most of the time to high school students. So I constantly have the self-talk with myself, should I or shouldn't I? Meaning, should I tell, 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 tell them right from the onset that I stutter or just plunge right into whatever um, top, top, top topic at hand that I have. Usually I decide not to disclose right away because that's not what I'm there for. I'm not there to talk, 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 talk to them about stuttering. But if it comes up, if you know a 15 or a 16 year old kid laughs or rolls their eyes or mip, mip mimics me during the presentation, I usually will stop and say something like, hey, um, you need to know I stutter and I'm okay with that, but I'm not okay with you making fun of me. So I think being able to do that, actually stopping and saying, whoa, that's not cool and you need to know and if you've got any question, that has helped me with the whole acceptance thing. So when, when you get up 
in front of people and you say, you know, hi, my name is Pam or... Miss Mertz is usually what hi, I do when I'm talking, right. my name is Miss Mertz and we're going to be talking about whatever. Mm -hmm. And you get in and you start stuttering and some people may actually know you as someone who stutters so they're like, I don't care. Or right. there's some people that may, you know, not necessarily know that about you yet and it may come as a surprise. Right. Because they're trying to figure out like what, what's going on. What's going on. And so how do you do that without advertising in a way where it makes it about you? Like, hi, my name's Pam and I'm a person who stutters. So if I stutter, right. I just want you to know that I'm okay with it as long as you're okay with it. Right. I, mean, I don't I mean, do uh, that. So I, mean, I don't do that. Uh, so how, how do you, oh. yeah, how Sorry, come sorry. you don't do that? And, you know, do you see a, a benefit or a pro of con of not doing it? Well, I think it depends on the audience, large, largely. So I'm in education. I'm working with high school students. So when, I mean, I've learned when I'm working with 15, 16, 17-year-olds, they're all about themselves. They don't really care if I've got some little spiel about, hi, I'm a person who stutters. That's not what they want to hear. They want to hear, it, you know, tip, tip, typically what I'm presenting about is um, providing students that are not enrolled in my school yet information about um, career paths that they're not necessarily aware, aware, aware of yet. So I don't know these students, and they're looking for information about what they're going to do um, in 11th and 12th. 12th grade so I just feel like it's not the time or the place to bring up stuttering because that's not why I'm there but if it comes up and somebody's blatantly or obviously you know mimicking or making fun of me then I am going to bring it up mm -hmm. because I've just developed enough con con confidence in myself that I'm going to seize that as a teachable moment and teach them quickly about stuttering and let them know if they have any questions they can feel free to ask and usually what happens is that kids are so blown away by my willingness to be upfront with them and just tell 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 them this is what it is this is who I am and I'm okay with it it's usually not an issue beyond that because kids are so used to adults bullshitting them and lying all the time. So when they, when they make fun of me and I say something and I'm just telling them the truth, they're just like, okay, and we go on. It's not an issue, and that's kind of how I do it. So when you first made a decision that you were gonna just, I mean, we're talking now a while back, you know, you may not have been so open about the fact that you're going to get in front of an audience and just stutter openly. How did, if you can remember, how did you mentally start to accept the fact that it was okay to just get up in front and just stutter? Because I had one of those aha moments. Um, you know, you don't know my whole 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 story, but I was extremely covert up until five years ago, and the moment occurred when something inside of me just 
I just decided I couldn't do this anymore. I just could not hide such an obvious part, 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 part of myself. And I just want it to be authentic. And it's easier to just stutter than it is to try to hide it and word switch and avoid. It's just easier. How did you deal with that painful transition of starting to do something that was so painful for you to reveal about yourself? How did you just, you made a decision, but obviously the first time you were gonna do it, there had to have been like, oh shit, I'm gonna do this. I cried a lot. <laughs> I cried a lot. Because you're right, it was very pain, 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 painful to go from so covert to mostly over, mm-hmm. you know, but, and I cried a lot because, first of all, it was so empowering and so liberating to finally be able to do, 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 do that, but then I was dealing with people reacting to me as somebody that they didn't know because I had pretended to be something else. And now I was finally being my real self and people were reacting like, what's wrong? Or where is this coming from? You don't stutter and you know, that whole thing. Mm -hmm. And just, you know, I cried a lot because it was a very pain, 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 painful process to go through. Now, I know we talked a little bit about you speaking in front of students. Uh, obviously, in education, you've got lots of peers um, mm-hmm. that you work with and, and, and colleagues. How did, you, how did you manage that transformation of coming out, in a sense, where you were no longer covert and you were just going to be your authentic self? How did you, you kind of get through that with, with your peers in terms of letting them know, was there just a lot of advertising? I mean, how did you handle that? Well, first of all, I haven't completely mastered that part of the journey yet. Um, I work in a school which is very po- 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 political. Um, there's layers of management. Um, the administration and um, the superintendents, I'm not always comfortable stuttering in front of them because like anybody who stutters, but anybody in gen- general, when the stakes are higher and I feel I'm being judged, that's when I'm at my most panicked. But for the most part, in school, um, the, you know, the, pe- the people that I work with closely, um, guidance counselors, social workers, teachers, office staff, even the principals, they all know I stutter, and it's okay because I just stutter. I, I stutter op- 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 openly most of the time, and it's not an issue. Um, and I'm also pretty open about the things that I'm not comfortable with. Um, I will not use the PA system at my school. And that is not a cop-out. That is not a cop-out. It's just I would prefer to not stutter pu- 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 publicly over the PA system that's gonna be broadcast throughout the whole school. So when I have to 
make an announcement over the P, 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 PA system, I asked somebody else in the office to do it. And nobody really says or complains or moans or groans. They just do it. And it's not like I've asked for a special accom com accommodation. I just don't like to do that, and they know I don't like to do it. So it's kind of like a give and take. There's some things that I'll do for them that they would prefer not, 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 not to do. And if I need a student, years ago I would go around to every single classroom until I could find that student. Mm -hmm. And now, of course, it makes more sense to make a PA announcement. <laughs> but I asked somebody else to do it for for me and they're okay so I'm not a hundred percent comfortable with that piece when when you look pre so you look back when you were covert and you did everything you could to conceal your stuttering and then you said okay I'm done with this I'm just gonna come out when you look at the perception or your relationship with your colleagues and peers how has that relationship changed since you've been being more authentic? You know, David, that's a really good question because I think for the mo 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 most part, people really admire my courage. I don't think they say that, but I've heard other people have mentioned it like between them, and I can, I, I mean, I think people are like wish that they could be that authentic about something that per, per, per personal about themselves and um, I know a couple pe people colleagues have told me that they admire my confidence so that you you feel like being more authentic has actually had the effect of being more of an inspiration to others that they can look at you and go, wow, she can just kind of be herself. And like, that would be, in a sense, maybe very painful for them if they were going through the same thing. I think so. Do, do you find that your relationship with them has changed in the way that you interact with them more specifically your ability to influence them? Because a lot of times, the, our ability to influence others into our point of view or maybe our views, you know, has to do with the fact that people feel that we're sin, sincere in what we're looking for and our mm -hmm. vision for the way that we want things. Have you found that your influence at your school with your peers and your colleagues has changed since they don't feel like you have maybe some hidden agenda because you've come across much more genuine and authentic? So it makes you, in a sense, much more believable that your views may not be, uh, your views or your agenda may be actually a lot more altruistic instead of a personal agenda. Have, mm -hmm. you, have you found that your influence among your peers has changed since they've seen you as more genuine and more authentic? I don't know necessarily that the, my in, in, in influence on others has changed or not, but I know that one of the things that pe 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 people comment to me a lot is that I'm very forthright and I'm very honest. And people appreciate that because not everybody is. And you know, like I wear my emotions on my sleeve 
and pe 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 people can see that. And even in today's world of all this high tech, you know, email, gadgetry, um, Facebook and all this other stuff, you know, face-to-face -face communicating with pe pe people still is meaningful and still has value. And people constantly are telling me, you're, you're like the most direct, honest person that I know. And that speaks volumes about your values. And sometimes that feels uncomfortable for people to say that to me, but um, I guess it just says something for just presenting yourself as you are to, 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 to the world. People know that I'm honest and that I'm not hiding anything, and um, so I guess if that's in 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 influencing people, especially young people, um, then I'm definitely okay with that. Yeah, like I I find, you know, I think of all of the people that have an ability to that have an ability to influence my influence my views. So like. They say something, and there's some people that say things, and then I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's some people that say things, and I shut up, I turn off my mind, and I listen to what they're saying. And when I really think about what kind of person is that, that when they talk, I just shut up and listen. It's usually the kind of person that's not always the most eloquent. It's always the person that I know has really got a genuine heart and a very, very, uh, good intentions. They're very, they've got my best interest, they've got the best interest of whatever situation that they're on. I don't feel like they've got some ulterior motive for what they're doing, but the one thing that I have found that's common about these people is there's something very authentic and genuine. I don't feel that there's something lurking under the surface that they're really giving me the real them, or they're darn good BSers, and, you know, and, and they're just fooling me because they're that good. Mm -hmm. And so, one of the things that I've heard and that has been prevalent for me is the more people know that I stutter, it somehow has made me more interesting in the sense that I come across more authentic and genuine, which makes me seem much more believable mm -hmm. because they don't feel like there's something hidden. Like, I've revealed something deep about myself, which makes me seem like, you know, I revealed this big thing about me, therefore I must not be lying, I must not have some weird ulterior motive, I must be good-hearted. And, and I, I was wondering, you know, if anybody else ever experiences that, because I have seen, for me, a definite change in my colleagues since I've started advertising I stutter, you know, I'm going to the NSA conference, you know, go watch the King's Speech, you know that I struggle with stuttering, but you should go see it because it's just a great movie and it'll help you understand some of the, the struggles that I have. And for some reason, it's like, I don't want to say it's put me on a pedestal, but it's, it's like put me in this sort of place where people... It's like I have instant credibility with people that I didn't have before. I used to have to earn it, and now I don't have to earn it as much. And that's why I asked you that question. But you know what I think it is? I think that people really appreciate 
when other people can be vulnerable with each other. And I think allowing our vulnerability in front of other people is what fosters that authenticity. Because not everybody is willing to be vulnerable in front of others because a lot of people equate vulnerability with weakness. So when we can be our most vulnerable in front of you know people that we know and people that we don't know, yeah, we're def de definitely conveying authenticity to the max. And I think that deep down, even though not everybody will admit that, people want that. So do you think that that idea of being vulnerable around others because society in general doesn't really promote or accept the idea of being vulnerable because you know normally you know for guys you know being vulnerable is not cool it's not right. tough right. it's not right. you know and for women being vulnerable means you're maybe not so weak but you're not put together like you're not being able to manage this very complex life that you have which mm -hmm. is a lot of demands on women do you find that just that simple act of being vulnerable makes it's almost like a relief to others because they're feeling that same way, but they're trying to like put on the act of being what they feel the expectations are being placed upon them. So the very act that you can be vulnerable just makes people, oh, thank God I don't have to be um, so well put together around Pam. Right. Because, shit, you know, she can be vulnerable, so I can be vulnerable. And it's almost like they have, to, they can take a vacation from this freaking high demand of these unrealistic expectations that they played upon themselves, simply just being around you, oh, it's like relaxing right. just well, to be around you. Yeah, she's not perfect either. Interesting. And I, yeah, I de definitely think so. And pe 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 people want that and need that, and they don't know how to express it. So when somebody else put 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 puts it in their face. Just like you said, they they can just like, oh, thank God, you know, I'm not the only one, and I think that that's what just you know make 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 make, make makes us more human to each other. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. I need more wine. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Very cool conversation. And that's it for today's show. I hope that you enjoyed it. I believe that is the last of the NSA recordings that I have. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm sorry. I just won't stop talking about the conference. This year's, I don't know. There was something about it. It was a family atmosphere. It was a family reunion atmosphere. Everybody was really happy. You know, just like last year. But this year, I don't know. I guess maybe last year everybody made friendships and this year it was everybody returning and catching up with those friendships but making new friends and I guess a lot of first timers and seeing I mean we had 300 of them this year mm -hmm. it's a lot of people and I don't know if it's because of the King's speech or maybe the area or maybe I don't know maybe maybe word about the NSA is is, uh, is spreading no, um, there was someone there, I forget his name, Evan Sherman, I believe. 
he won an award i believe i don't remember the award i believe it's the volunteer of uh, the nsa volunteer award don't call me on that one but long story short um he did a lot of media outreach uh during the year so maybe that's you know maybe that's what uh, brought 300 first timers so and made such a great really emotional like on a good like in a good sense um emotional time and i'm doing everything i can to go to the next uh, one because you know i'm um, thinking of presenting so look out and say you're gonna have to deal with me <laughs> and my presentation skills well i have a year to sharpen them so um i gotta stop saying um and for any newcomers listening to this newcomers new listeners you're probably wondering this guy isn't stuttering much um, I have to explain this every few episodes just so I can keep my street cred. I do stutter a lot. Um, ask anybody at the NSA <laughs> conference. It's just that when I'm speaking by myself alone right now, for example, my stuttering decreases. So uh, that's all. I invite your feedback. I encourage your feedback. Record it in any sound file. If you want me to suggest one, an MP3 is fine. Email it to coolstutter at gmail.com and I will play it on my next episode. And that's really what this whole show originally and always will be about me playing your audio. Remember, we have a voice, right? You have a voice. So record it, send it to me, and I'll play it. Coolstutter at gmail.com is the email address again. Um, you know, I also take emails if you're not ready to do the whole broadcast yet and I'll read it on the air but really i want to hear you i don't want to be the one that's on the show i mean who wants to listen to me i mean come on (laughs) it's been 117 episodes okay i'm rambling i'm rambling please um stay subscribed thank you for subscribing please stay subscribed and if you're subscribed through itunes uh, please consider leaving feedback um and all information, more about the website, uh, sorry, the show. Yeah, I am rambling. Okay, stutteringiscool.com. I will see you in two weeks. I mean, hear you. No, you will hear me in two weeks. The next show will be in two weeks. Oh, boy. Bye-bye. <laughs>